Turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. I'll tell you what, you turn to Hebrews chapter 3 instead. Somebody said, what if I want to do both? Well, put your thumb in it and do both. Hebrews chapter 3, turn in your Bible with me. I'm going to read Romans 7 and then we'll use our text, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3, verse 12. Once you're there, say amen so I'll know where you are. All right. Now hold that place and let me just read this to you. Romans chapter 7. Paul, the servant of the Lord, writing to the church in Rome. Romans 7, 14. For we know that the law of God is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So then I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Now our primary text, Hebrews 3, verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened, which means into settled rebellion through the deceitfulness of sin, through the fraudulent stratagem and trickery of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. You may be seated. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the confidence, our original confidence in Jesus steadfast unto the end. This if is not a prerequisite to salvation. God is not saying, if you hold your confidence to the end, I'll reward you with salvation. That's not what it means. What it means is, the person that is saved, their holding, their profession is evidence of the salvation that's inside of them. We are made partakers, sharers of the Lord Jesus Christ and the evidence is that we have held our confidence steadfast into the end. Having said that, I want to talk to you a few moments this morning on the subject of sin and sins. The sin issue is that we were born into sin. Our parents were sinners, our grandparents were sinners, and you trace it all the way back to Adam. And the proof of the sin in us is the sins that we commit. The sins that we commit do not make us a sinner. We were sinners out of the womb. And y'all, don't let the flashing bother you. We're trying to update our website and all that stuff, so we've been taking pictures all morning, so I'm gonna try not to let it bother me. You don't let it bother you. We'll be good, okay. 
I am not a sinner because of what I did. What I did proves that I was a sinner from the womb. And if you don't believe in original sin, put two three-year-olds in a sandbox with a couple of toys and I will prove to you original sin. In our last day church in the Western world, very little is said of sin, that Adamic nature that tends to self, it tends to now, it tends to mine with no regard for later, no regard for eternity, no regard for God, that sin nature and sins. We're no longer allowed, it's not in vogue to say that is a sin, that is a sin, these are sins. And if we do not know what are sins, then we don't know when we've sinned against the Lord. And you'd think this is ABC Christianity, but in this day and age, everything is uh, three steps to a better marriage or four steps to a better marriage. And if you're in a really bad fix, seven steps to a better marriage and how to be an effective steward. And there's all these formulas, but unless we've settled the foundational issues And I know Hebrews says, don't keep laying the foundation of repentance over and over again. But that's to the person that understands sin and sins. And we cannot stop fighting our sin nature. Well, Brother Wood, when we're in Christ, old things have passed away. He made all things new. Exactly. But if you were ugly before you got saved, you're going to be ugly after you got saved. That sin nature... This new recreated being that you have did not strip you from your Adamic nature as well, nor did it change the world around you. You're going to have to fight to stay pure. That's what I want to talk to you about. Just a few moments this morning. Fight to stay pure. And we have to choose the things that please the Lord. So I'm going to group us all together. All of us have sinned. All of us do sin, but that is not a license to sin. And what I've found in my many years is that I cannot, I have not experienced just absolute holiness. I I fail, I fall, I stumble, and sometimes I choose to. And it's very embarrassing, it's humiliating, it's uh, unnerving. But the danger, the danger is when you don't know the difference. And so I want to talk to you for a few moments on the subject of fighting to stay pure from sins or sin and the sins and how they're expressed. Sin is quite simply this, missing the mark. The Bible defines it as such. But what mark? The mark of God's law, his expectation and his desire for your life. This is what sin looks like. If God's word condemns it or forbids it, that's sin. Which the Bible says like you're not to look upon another man's wife. You, you can't covet after someone else's spouse. That's sin. If it, if it uh, condemns, if God's word condemns it or forbids it, then it's sin to you. If it challenges, changes, contradicts, or disregards the word of God, it is sin. God's word is crystal clear about lying, about covetousness, about anger, about unkindness, selfishness, all these things. If it removes glory from 
or tries to share glory that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is sin or evil. It's what evil looks like, sin looks like. If it devalues, degrades, or does harm to another person, it's sin. Now, let me give you a clarifier on that. Standing up for what is right, someone else could say, well, you've disrespected me. You've harmed me. No, I didn't harm you. That's not harming someone. When I go to a dentist, he hurts me, but he doesn't harm me. And when we stand for righteousness, when we say adultery is wrong, you say, well, now you've disrespected me. No, I'm not disrespecting you. Adultery is wrong. But something that harms another person, devalues another person, or disrespects another person, that is sin. Standing for truth is not sin. If someone, let's say this whole section practices a certain sin and I stand and say that sin is wrong, that did not harm that person. That's standing with the truth. That's why God said in his word for us who are believers, if you are ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you when I come in great glory with his angels. We have to stand with his word. But that does not give us a license to be cruel or unkind to other people. If it exalts, makes allowances for, or caters to the flesh, it is sin. If it robs God of our praise, our worship, our gratitude, our service, or ministry, it is sin. If it hinders your walk, dampens your zeal, hardens your heart, compromises your convictions, darkens your countenance, mars your testimony, or diminishes your spiritual desires, that is sin to you. If it has to thrive in secrecy and depends upon lies to cover it up, it is sin. If it entices you to live for now or for pleasure or to choose your own path, it is sin. Proverbs 28, 13 says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Listen, those that cover their own sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh, Confessing means agreeing with God's verdict upon those actions and then forsaking it, turning away, shall have mercy. We have to know what sin is. We have to teach our children what sin is. What are sins? Sins of the flesh, sins of the mind, sins of the tongue, sins of action. That way we have to stand before the Lord with a repentant heart. Here, here's why you have to fight to stay pure. It's like standing, living in the world is like standing in, a, in a, a, a river with a strong current. And God's promised me that he's going to keep me. But I still have to fight the current. Because if I don't fight the current, I lose ground. And the world lieth in the wicked one, the Bible said. And it swirls around you with great force. And there's a dilemma for us to stay pure in an impure society. There's a dilemma because it's unending. There's an onslaught of opportunity. And it's difficult to be holy. When God says, be holy as I'm holy, it doesn't mean perfect because I can't be perfect. Holy means separate, altogether separate. For the Lord to be holy, we say you are holy, which means I'm altogether separate from you. I'm different than you are. And in this world, we're supposed to be separate, different. Listening to a different, dancing to a different drummer, if you will. Listening to a different voice. And it's a dilemma because it's our, our old nature 
craves that. And that's what I want to talk to you about in number two, the dilemma. Galatians 1.4 said that Jesus gave himself for our sins. Why? That he could deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God. The dilemma of sin is on different multiple levels. And let me just read some of these to you. The dilemma of sin is that we don't see it clearly. We have been watered down through what we've read and seen on television and we don't know what sins are. As a matter of fact, we see evil differently than God sees evil. I read an author recently that said, there is more evil in one of my sins than in all of the injustice in my circumstances. See, we see injustice in our circumstances way more clearly than we see the evil in our sins. We have downplayed the evil nature of our sins, the rebellious part in what we do. And we see evil around us more clearly than we see evil in us. The dilemma is that we don't see it clearly. If we saw it clearly, we would weep more often. If we saw it clearly, we would fight harder. The dilemma of sin is that it always entangles us. Every time we choose to walk away from the revealed word of God or every time we stumble against our will, so whether we choose with our will or stumble against our will, we'll find that sin entangles us. It entangles us because it's so powerful. The Bible speaks of the law of sin and death. Paul said, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I wind up doing. Who can deliver me from this body of death? Paul saw it as a struggle. And sin is powerful. And it entangles us because it's so close. On every channel. In every relationship. In every place of employment. In every encounter. In every moment of every day. Sin is right there. It's, it's available. It's not only right there, it's this old nature screaming out for me, mine, vaunting myself against God and setting myself up as the ruler. Because in, in the end, that's what sin is. It's saying, I am the ruler of my life. I'll do what I want to do, regardless. And sin is powerful because it's so close to us. It's so prevalent and it's so familiar it's so easy to fall back into that self-centered, uh, lustful, prideful way because it's who we were from the womb. And sin is powerful because it's cancerous. You, you don't just tear off a little piece of it and it not spread. That, that's one of the things I wished I knew then that I know now. It's powerful because it's like kudzu, man. It just grows. Well, I, I just wanted just this little one area. I just, you know, I'm going to replace my spouse with someone else, but I've not done anything physical. I've not done anything physical. Give yourself time. I'm just going to sing these things. I'm not going to do what I sing. Give yourself time. Sin spreads and, and in the oxygen of your own rebellion, it grows and grows. It doesn't ask you, can it grow? 
It grows. It's, that's why the dilemma is it's so powerful. Paul called it a law of sin and death. The dilemma of sin is that we do not sin in a vacuum. Mark 9, 42 says this, and whosoever shall cause one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for you that a millstone were tied around your neck and you were thrown into the middle of the sea. God says, if you live in such a way that someone else would stumble in their faith, in so many words, it'd be better for you that you weren't born. That's the most terrifying part of my sin is that I know I don't sin in a vacuum. And we have to fight to make sure, and none of us are perfect, I know that, but that we don't give license. I am amazed at this new trend in the church, my exposure to the church. It's this, I have liberty, I can do it all, I can do it all. I'm in Christ. I'm not bound by your rules. I'm not bound by your rules. Yeah, but if your liberty causes this one to stumble, you violated the law of love and you will be judged. It's not a case of your liberty. If, if, if my eating of this meat sacrificed to an idol causes him to stumble, I don't eat meat. That's what you don't hear. You hear people say, I'm free. But we can't, we can't live unto ourselves. We can't sin unto ourselves without it affecting someone else. People are always talking to me about one of two things or three things. And, and one of them's alcohol. I get more conversations about it over and over and over and over. And it... it If we would approach things with, uh, instead of the what's wrong with it, if we'd ask what's right with it. And if you saw your pastor sitting in a restaurant with a cold one in front of him, there'd be something in your heart that would, some, something there. I'm not a legalist. Listen, I'm not saying that drinking a glass of wine sends you to hell. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is that if our choices cause another believer to stumble. Jesus Christ said, it would be better for you that a millstone be tied around your neck and you be hurled into the ocean when I'm done with you. You know what the dilemma of sin is? To live rightly, we don't have as many options as everybody else has. This isn't a matter of somebody being a Holy Ghost monitor, making sure you live up to their creeds and codes. That verse right there is enough code for me. I don't want to be a stumbling block of offense. The dilemma of sin is that it always decreases us. It empties us. It steals from us. It shortchanges us. The dilemma of sin is, it is, is that it is very pleasurable. That's a dilemma. If sin wasn't fun or if sin didn't bring some form of carnal pleasure, we wouldn't do it. But having somebody envy us, there's a pleasure to that. Having status, there's a pleasure to that. Having luxury, there's a pleasure to that. Fulfilling a lust, whether it's a lust of the flesh, a lust of the eyes, or pride of life, there's a pleasure to that. And that's a dilemma. People... <laughs> People talked about, there's no conflict this side of the cross. I didn't have conflict before I got saved. There was no conflict. You wanted, to, you wanted to party, you partied. 
You want to sleep around? You slept around. There was no conflict. But now that I'm in Christ and my spirit is quickened, you know, you know why sin is so, such a dilemma for us? It requires a thousand no's. Just no, no. Where you tell yourself no, no. I'm afraid my little girls are going to think their name is no. We're just like, no, 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 no. You know, don't walk up to the stairs. Don't jump off the stairs. That oven's hot. It's on. It's open. Don't go in there. No, no. And in my life, it's a dilemma because we get tired of hearing the Spirit say no, and we get tired of telling ourselves no because sin is pleasurable. Oh, the sin is horrible. Well, part of it was the cost was horrible. Uh, The cancerous part was horrible. But the Bible says there's pleasure in sin, comma, for a season. And when that season's up, mm. but during it, there's a dilemma because we enjoy it. The sins that you struggle with and the sins that I struggle with have pleasure associated to them. And God will never say no for you. He'll never do it. I pray sometimes, I ask the Lord to make me more like him and make me holy. No. I've imparted my righteousness unto you. I imparted my righteousness to you. But your holiness is on you. I'll never separate you. I'll never make the nose for you. I'll never make you live to a higher standard. That's on you. That's your choice. When he imparts righteousness to us, that means rightness before God, a right standing with God. My fate, I talked to you about God keeping you. My fate is up to God, but my fight is up to me. Would, Would it be fair to say that you fight against sin or that I fight against sin sometimes I score well other times I don't score so well but the Lord's really brought this to my heart and you think hearing it is convicting you ought to type it out and then tell other people the dilemma of sin is that it never satisfies You don't know how many alcoholics I deal with. You don't know how many people I talk to that met that one person that made them feel what they haven't felt in years and then four or five years later have lost it all. That man no longer has his children. That woman no longer has her children. And their body has picked up some disease or or it's just, let me tell you something. You think disease is cruel? You ought, to, you ought to have regret. And don't raise your hands. But regret is the cruelest taskmaster in the world. Sin never satisfies. There's pleasure in the moment. But it never satisfies. The dilemma of sin. Is that it never acknowledges the intentions of the one sinning or the borders of the boundary that one is set. I've already talked to you about that being the cancerous. The dilemma of sin is that the hook is always hidden. The dilemma of sin is that it deceives us. We think we're always safer in our sin than we really are. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, 
and cost you more than you ever thought you'd pay. And I, I just, you know, I, I, I don't know how it's to tell you, but I wish I knew early on what that first beer, that first pornographic magazine, that first sexual encounter outside of marriage. I wish I'd have knew what the cost would have been. I wish I'd have knew that it would take me further than I ever wanted to go. It kept me longer than I ever wanted to stay. It cost me more than I would ever want to pay. And after repenting, after confessing the residue, it's like buying a car that's been smoked in. And you can ozone it. You can odoban it. You can steam it. You can pour baking soda in it. But you leave it closed up for a little bit. Especially if you have a sensitivity to it. You can open the door and go, somebody smoked had this car. With no one raising your hand, is there anybody in here that still has residue of stuff that they hate? Sin, man. There's a dilemma to it because we're like, Children 18, 19 that don't count the cost. But we do it in our 30s and 40s, spiritually speaking too. It always costs you more than you want to pay. Sin always hardens you. It separates you from God and one another. And it changes you. The dilemma of sin is that you're never outside of its influence. And if it remains unconfessed, it always leads to judgment. If it's unconfessed, it always leads to judgment. One of the scriptures that the Lord gives us that I've had to use many times as a Christian. Is that if I judge myself, he won't judge me. And I'm sure you have these experiences too where you go get alone with the Lord and you're just embarrassed. Because it's the same thing or the same lie or the same thing that you swore you wouldn't say or you wouldn't do. And I'm not going to lose my temper. And you ain't went 24 hours and you lose your temper. And you go back to the Lord and you're doing these things. Let me tell you where the, the fight to stay pure is. You can get so tired of repenting. You go, well, God just understands. I'm just, I'm going to do the best I can and forget it. You can't do that. Because if it's unconfessed, there's nothing left but judgment. We have to go back again. And go back again, and go back again, and go back again. Lord, forgive me for being a selfish husband. Lord, forgive me for being a self. Lord, forgive me for being a selfish husband. And you can't just say, forgive me for my stuff. You got to call it by its name. Adultery is adultery. Fornication is fornication. Lust is lust. Lying is lying. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to not only forgive us, but cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all that would separate us from him. It is, it's, it doesn't cost me anything to do a mental ascent and say Jesus Christ is Lord, but to live 
with the lordship of Jesus Christ puts me in a dilemma because my carnal man wants to do what it wants to do. My spiritual man wants to do what God wants to do. And until he translates me and removes the potential for sin, I am at war. And that is a dilemma. That's a, that's a dilemma. Who's winning in your life? Your old man or your new man? I'm being very open with you and, uh, you know, no pastor likes to stand up and say, you know, hey, I struggle too. Follow me. Let's go to the promised land. That's real. That instills a lot of confidence. But if we stop fighting and if we stop calling it what it is, there's nothing left but judgment. If you confess, repent. Your sins are covered. The Bible said mercy comes to the one that not only repents but forsakes. There are people in this room by odds. You did your sin last night and have plans on today. And we're fitting God in the middle. And it doesn't work. You are his servants to whom you obey. We are his servants to whom we obey. The duty to our sins is that we are to deal with them as sins. Now you may think this is just semantics, but I've found this really helps me. I don't use terms like, well, I just messed up. No, I sinned. I sinned. That's a sin before God. That's a sin before I sinned. Well, you know, I'm just struggling with that little thing. Little thing don't sound as bad as sin. So to deal with my sin, the duty that I have as a believer is to call it what God calls it. Well, I just kind of, you know, white lied. Where is white lie in the Bible? The Bible says, look not upon just your own things, but look upon others and the needs of others and help them. If we don't do that, that's sin. It's not just selfishness, it's sin. And I'm not speaking this morning. Listen, if you're visiting with us, I'm not talking about a legalism that makes you boat over. It's, it's more about a living unto God instead of unto ourselves and fighting the current so that when, we, when he comes, we will be labeled an overcomer. Overcoming what? The spirit of this world. We are to deal with our sins in light. Psalms 90 verse 8 says, Lord, deal with our secret sins in the light of your countenance. We are to deal with our sins immediately. Immediately. Do you ever pray right after you hang the phone up and say, Oh God, forgive me, I'm sorry. Oh God, please forgive me. And then him say, call him back and tell him. You go, mm, mm. I have found... That I do not pray as sincerely later as I do right then. Repent. Spirit of the Lord will say, repent, repent, repent. And the next time, he may say it, just repent. He's not promised to strive with us. He'll let us go off and waste months and months and lose our influence and lose our voice and lose our capacity to hear. But we are to deal with our sins immediately and aggressively. Listen to this. 
Woe unto the world because of offenses, Matthew 18 says. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the person that causes the offenses. Wherefore, if your hand or foot offend you or cause you to sin, cut them off and cast them from you. It's better for you to enter into life halt or maimed than having two hands or two feet and be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye offend you, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. There are things we walk away from and God gives us grace to walk out of and you just change. Does anybody else remember when you first got saved, there were some things that just fell away? One of the things that just fell away from me, thank you, Lord, was I had a foul mouth. I would curse. Oh, I'd curse you if you made me mad. I'd curse you 10 minutes and not say the same word twice. Just And when I got saved, it just fell away. Like all things, old things died, my tongue became new. I was like, glory to God. But not everything was that way. There were some demons you cast out and others you starved out. But sins are not demons. And God did not tell us to starve our sins. There is no weaning off. That just deceives ourselves. Because what happens when you wean yourself off of one, you find a substitute in the weaning process. Cut it off. There are people I had to shake their hand and say, I can't be friends with you no more. Oh, you judging me now? I said, oh, no, not at all. I'm judging me. I'm not strong enough to live close by you like that. Goodbye. Goodbye. This stuff I listen to, goodbye. This stuff I watch, if it offends you, if it causes you to stumble, cut it off. We're to deal with it aggressively, mercilessly, and righteously. We're to deal with our sins righteously, with the right knowledge. This, this is what your pastor forgets. Maybe there's somebody else here too. I have to forget this to be able to sin by choice. It was for my sins that Christ died. How could you choose? How could I choose? The things that actually split his back open. We're to deal with them righteously. See, and this, this, I don't know who else this is for, but as I typed it out, I felt the Lord just speaking to me very clearly. He said, you are more prone to sin, John, when it is a code of ethics instead of a person. If it's just a code of ethics, you know, you just get tired and you say, well, I, I deserve this or I can do this or listen to that, whatever, whatever it is, that little uh, taste of sin. Because most of us aren't just going to run off and jump off the deep end, but just that little taste of sin. If, it, if it's a code of ethic and we just failed in a little point, we'll say, well, nobody's perfect and, you know, God understands. But if it's the person, if my sin is not against the code of ethic, but against the Lord Jesus Christ, that makes it different. And the, the, the responsibility of my sins is to make it about the person. It's not about my track record. It's about your love for me. It's not that I can be seen a certain way, but that you'll see me a certain way. 
And it's not that I can exalt myself above others. As a matter of fact, why don't I notch myself down a couple of notches lower, considering myself lest I be tempted in areas I don't even think I can be tempted in. Lord, I don't trust myself. We're to deal with the, with the right attitude. Willingly grieving and sorrowing over our sins, letting go of them willingly. Nobody responding, just listen. When's the last time you grieved and wept over your sins? I think you can confess without that emotion. But I don't think you can fully repent without it. To where I did this against you and I'm very sorry, oh Lord. Some of our powerlessness, some of our joylessness, some of our lack of spiritual desire is born from unresolved sin in our life. And you can go to all the conferences you want. You can play worship music from the moment your alarm clock rings to when it, you go to bed. But the Bible says if we regard sin in our heart, God doesn't even hear us. I've told you this before, but in one of the first Sunday school classes I was teaching, I used the verse, I said, if we regard iniquity in our heart, God does not even hear our prayer. And one of the Sunday school teachers in the church stood up and, with his Bible and said, I've had sin in my life and God heard my prayer. I'd been saved about six months. I didn't have much tact then or, or uh, experience. So here's this guy, <laughs> been preaching Bible for years. I quote the word of God and he stands up and says, uh-uh. So I'm, here I am, brand new little Sunday school teacher. If we regard iniquity in our heart, God does not even hear us. Sunday school teacher stands up. He said, I have sin in my life and God hears my prayer. It was like a reaction. So don't judge me. It's just a reflex. I said, well, one of you is lying. And being that God don't lie, I guess that leaves you. He slams his Bible and walks out. And his wife slammed her bigger Bible and walked out. And several people walked out behind him. This first church trouble I've ever seen in my life. I've been teaching about three weeks. And I'm like, great. So they all walk out of the class. And I looked to everybody else. And I felt the spirit of the Lord on me. I said, how readest thou? This ain't about him. This ain't about me. If anybody stands in front of you and tells you that what the word of God says is untrue, they are mistaken and or a liar. If we regard sin in our heart, God's not even listening to you. Oh, I feel him. I know he's listening. That's a feel lie. I saw an angel. That's an angel lie. We're to deal with them with sorrow. And your pastor over the years has had to pray this prayer. My heart is so cold, I can't even muster up emotion. Forgive me for my cold heartedness as well. Oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me that grieves over our failures. We stop grieving because they accumulate. In the physical body, we call it a high tolerance for pain. Somebody else on a morphine drip, you just got two Tylenol. They say, how are you making it? You get used to it. You're like, 
You know, they got their arm in, a, in, their, in their back pocket. It's just come off. And they don't have no pain medicine. They say, how you do how you get used to it? High tolerance of pain. Some of us have high tolerance for sin. And instead of it grieving us, it's, ah, it's no big deal. It accumulates over time. And you know what I've found? The more repentant I get, the more I see. And then you go, oh. And again, without answering, I'm not looking for amens this morning. Has there anybody else started to draw near to the Lord and then you have the thought, I didn't know I was that far away. Lord, take me back to where I first believed. Take me back to that place where my convictions define me. Take me back. Oh Lord, something happened to me. I slid back away from who I once was, what I once thought. I can't take my cues from these other people or my own heart that's desperately wicked above everything else. Take me back, oh Lord. Lisa, would you come to the piano this morning? Would you do that for me? We're to deal with our sins with the right power. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Mortify the deeds in your body by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the right context for the glory of the Lord. We're not, we don't want to live rightly so we can look to present ourselves to others how right we are. We want our lives to be a commercial for the Lord Jesus Christ. What he brought us out of. What he's delivered us from. I was saved. I am being saved and I shall be saved. Work in progress. Don't have it all together. That's your pastor. But I don't want to ever be at a place I don't know the difference. We got to know what missing the mark is and don't let other people talk you out of it. God understands. He don't. There's atonement made. But it is our duty to deal with our sins personally. And our repentance leads to deliverance. Deliverance comes through confession and repentance. Agreeing with God verbally and agreeing with God with our actions. Do your actions match your prayers? Deliverance comes through walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. So much of... My failure early on was I tried to do it in my strength. I tried to get rid of the sins. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on this. But the Bible says, fill up on the Holy Spirit first. Walk in the Spirit and you won't do those things. Not don't do those things so you can be filled with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. In the same way your car has a gas gauge. How full of the Holy Spirit are you today? You can... Equate that with the victory that you have in your Christian life and that I have in my Christian life. Deliverance comes through agreement, my word with the word of God. Agreement, my actions with my words and the power of the Holy Spirit. If through the power of the Holy Spirit, you mortify the deeds of your body through the power of the Holy Spirit, not by might, not by power, but by God's spirit, says the Lord. Deliverance comes through Good environment, good associations, good environment, and good. Well, brother John, where I work, there's no out. That's not you choosing to be there. God will give you grace for that. That's your mission field. But when I choose to put myself in that hellish environment, 
Evil communications corrupt good lifestyles, the Bible says. So environment, associations, and all I know to do is keep preaching it until Jesus comes or he takes me on. And what you let in your eye gate and what you let in your ear gate determines. That's where you get your convictions. If we're listening to somebody talking about cheating on their husband, cheating on their husband, cheating on their husband, cheating, I think I'm going to cheat on my husband. Duh. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And that's going to narrow your TV list. That was a good place to say amen. I'll close with this. Romans 6, 14. Sin shall not, shall not, shall not have dominion over you. You can walk out of any habit, any lust, any stronghold, any addiction, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens your mortal body. You can quit today. You can make the turn today. You don't need me to pray for you. You don't need me to agree with you, but hear me and hear me well. You will suffer to break the chains of sin in your life. Your flesh will suffer. And you don't believe me? Quit doing it. It'll scream at you. It'll curse at you. You'll have other carnal Christians come around you. And say, oh, God didn't want you to go through all that. But we are different. We're a peculiar people, a holy nation set aside unto God for good works. You're going to have to fight and I'm going to have to fight to stay pure. So, I summarize with this. Don't ever stop fighting. Even if you're embarrassed that you're still struggling at 51, don't ever stop fighting. Don't ever stop fighting. Don't ever stop. Just fall to your knees. Repent again. Repent again. Because there's grace available to the person that repents. And the person that does, doesn't, nothing but impending judgment. This morning, there's nothing between the Lord and I. Because all week as I prepare this message, I'm repenting and turning from. And oftentimes when the Lord gives me something from me, there's usually a couple people in here that need it as well. And so instead of an altar call, I'm asking for this with every eye open. If you're saying to the Lord, not to me, today, I'm going to go get alone with you, Lord. And I'm going to do serious business and deep waters with you. And I'm going to make it right. If that's you, I just want you to stand where you are. It's between you and the Lord. I'm going to make it right with you today. With no one else around, me and you are going to get alone today, Lord. I know what you're talking to me about. And I just wanted my brothers and sisters to see me and let them. It's okay that they know I got, I got, I'm going to do repenting today. I'm, I'm going to confess today. Now for the rest of you that could respond in this way. The winds of sin whirl all around me. 
And I'm asking the Lord to keep my mind so I don't get tricked, so I don't get deceived. Preserve me, O Lord. Protect me. Show me any wicked thing in my heart so that I can walk blameless before you, O Lord. If that's your prayer, I want you to stand with me. Thank you, Lord. When it's forgiven and turned away from, boldness comes back. Strength comes back. Joy comes back. Your countenance changes. Your steps get a little lighter. Oh, and please hear this before you go home. When it's repented of, God doesn't want to hear about it no more. There is there therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Once you do business with God, it's done. And the devil said, oh, so you just, that just covered it. That little bit right there covered it. Yep. Yep. The blood of his son covers all our sin. Father, we bless you this morning. We thank you for the word of your truth. Lord, I'd rather hear a word of correction from your word than rivers of affirmation from the lips of men. Your word leads to light and life, and we don't want to be a sinful people. We don't want to be that, oh Lord. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from your presence, O oh Lord. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Renew a right spirit within us, I pray. We love you today, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. We repent of our sins. And we thank you for the grace that's so abundantly spread in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for bleeding for me, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being naked for me that I could be clothed, O oh Lord. Thank you for being rejected that I might be accepted, O oh Lord. Thank you for enduring the darkness that I might walk in the light. Thank you, O oh Lord, that you had the Father turn his back on you so he could turn toward me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we go out from this place, O oh Lord, make your spirit strong in us that we might hear your word. Quick to convict us and quick to repent. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.